it's good to feel like we're going the right direction with across all athletics because I'm you know, I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. I mean, I would I would root for Georgia tiddly winks, and frankly, I don't. You know, it doesn't really matter if you got a G. If you're wearing the power G, I'm going to root for you. The countdown for some fans begins the day after the national championship game ends. Others start their calendar counting after the February signing day. But most college football fans don't really feel that daily drumbeat of excitement until late May. That's when the 100 days till college football tweets start rolling across your timeline, reminding you that three months is really not that far away. And the Feel Steel or Athlon magazines that you buy every year to take to the beach show up at your nearest Kroger. You know it's perfectly acceptable again to begin talking and debating publicly with your friends and on social media about depth charts, non-conference games, and new five-star recruits who might actually start their first collegiate game on September 1st. For those of us who love the spectacle of college football, it's this waiting that can be the hardest part, but it's also fun to anticipate and look forward to as well. I think a quote by Andy Warhol sums it up best. The idea of waiting for something makes it more exciting. What's up, Georgia fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 134 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. On this episode, I am joined by only one of my usual co-hosts. Tony Waller, a.k.a. Tyler Dogden, sits down with me, and we touch on everything from our summer vacations, UGA depth charts, an SB nomination for the Rose Bowl game, and Jake Fromm's latest non-life-threatening off-season injury. As for our other co-host, Will Leach, well, he's not here. Tony and I aren't really sure where Will is, but he assured us that he'll be back for our next show in mid-July, so we're looking forward to that. The anticipation is indeed building for Georgia football fans as we are right around eight weeks or 50-something days until the dogs tee it up between the hedges once again on September 1st. So we are glad to be back and appreciate you all tuning us in, even if it's just two-thirds of the whole show, or two-thirds of us, or there's, there's, this is Tony and me. So I hope you enjoy this show. Here is episode 134. I, I can't even say it's been a minute. It has been a while since I think Tony, it's been Will, six and weeks, I. Right? It, it probably has. I haven't looked at my. I know one thing: we haven't gotten any new reviews because it's hard to get reviews. Come on, you, guys! When you don't post episodes, but this is the off season for us. Um, Tony has a job. I have a job. Will ha- Will has. Three or four nine jobs, jobs, nine jobs. And Will is unfortunately not here. So this is one of the, I don't know, four or five times in the history of this show that it's just Tony and Scott sitting down talking Georgia football and all kinds of other things. But um, Will will be back uh, probably, I think we're going to do another episode on the 17th and then we'll probably get in the swing of things after that because obviously it's only like eight weeks until the first game, which is amazing. That's like, you can almost uh, really start talking about it. I know that the. Oh, hey, there we are. I was, I was trying to see when we posted. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get Chad on that. I don't, Chad. I don't know. But uh, so anyway, Tony, it's been a busy summer so far. I know Will's been busy. I've been busy. Uh, what have you been up to? I'm mean, just non-sports related. Just give me a quick rundown uh, since the people have not heard you speak or they, I know they've been following you on Twitter. Um, so let's see. I have been to Michigan, Milwaukee, Chicago. Amelia Island, um, and that's all in the past three weeks, I guess. Um, got a fishing lure in my face, turned 50, not on the same day, <laughs> two, two different days. So you and Jake Fromm were fishing together? Well, yeah, it's funny. I, when I saw he broke his hand, I tweeted out, I was like, I guess I have to break my hand now? <laughs> um, and then a tree fell in his house, and I'm like, I have to have a tree fall in my house now? I don't want any of those things to happen. Um, 
Yeah, no, I was. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter and know, know me on Facebook, or I think it might even crack on on Instagram, we went to Northern Michigan, which was lovely, um, to a place that my my wife's family has in Deer Lake, Michigan, or Boyne Falls, Michigan, actually, which is just south Petoskey, about an hour north of Traverse City, which is easy, which is the easy way of saying it's way up there. Yeah, is it in the UP? Is that what it is call? not in the UP? Although we did go to Mackinac Island, which is. Um, directly across the Mackinac Strait from the UP. Okay. Um, so we got there. You might not know this about me. I love to fish. We got there literally within the first five minutes. Their neighbor said, hey, I'm about to go fishing. You want to go? Because she had been talking about how much I love to fish. I was like, yeah, let me, let me get a Michigan, a one-day Michigan fishing license because I don't need a $500 ticket. <laughs> right. Uh, I get that on my phone. We go out. We're out. We're fishing. Been out maybe 45 minutes, an hour. Um, gets, in the, gets a decent little bass on. Um, so I asked him, I said, you What's your drag set at? Because it looked like he was fighting him a little too hard for the size fish. He said, I have no idea. And my thought was, the, the fish is going to throw the lure. <laughs> and, of course, the fish threw the lure, and the lure went right into my, my cheek, right below my right eye. Like, literally, just beside my right eye. Um, which, of course, saw off a chain of events, which involved me getting the lure out of my, um, out of my own face. Take that, Jake, from I didn't have to go to urgent care. It wasn't a trouble hook, though, so, you know, whatever. Um, also, I'm, you know, I don't have the hopes and dreams of 7 million people <laughs> riding on me. But the, the long story short, long short story is, is like, don't ever look at a lure. The, to be fair, that's not the first time I've ever gotten a fishing lure in me. It's the first time in my face, but I've gotten in my arms. And I want to say there's some clip from a movie where that happens. I, I don't know what I'm thinking of. Uh, there, well, Bill Dance. There, oh, yeah. Bill goes, Dance has some great He outtakes. has some bloopers, outtakes. Do you where think he, he does those on, pur- on purpose? No, I think he's a Tennessee fan. It just happens. <laughs> Um, so the, you know, the, but it was fine. I get the tetanus shot hurt worse than the lure. We had a great time in Michigan. Uh, we went to Milwaukee for my 50th birthday, took a ferry across Lake Michigan because I had a wedding to go to in Chicago on that Saturday. And, uh, my good friend, Paul, who, uh, if you listen closely, you know, he comes to some of the ball games. He lives in Illinois. He came to the Notre Dame game with us. He came up to Milwaukee with us and we hung out, went to, uh, um, ended up going to a casino, which I didn't really know they had there, uh, and hung out for a little while, won a little money. Um, What'd you play? Blackjack. We played craps for like four minutes, but the Black Angel of Death was on the table. Oh, really? So um, that's not descriptive of anybody. I'm just saying it was a bad table. <laughs> um, the uh, but the blackjack was good. But we had fun. As long as, you, as long as you're sitting next to people that know how to play it correctly, you know where they're not hitting yeah, on yeah. you know bus cards or just or everybody's just crazy and doing whatever, and it's just fun. Sure. Uh, and it was a nice combination of people having fun and people that weren't playing crazy. It's like hit me, sir. You have 19. I feel a two coming. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but, but you know, it's it's been a fun summer. I can't believe it's almost over. Uh, we, you and I were talking about our kids go back to school a week from yesterday, uh, yesterday, right? yeah, uh, yeah. a month from yesterday, a month from yesterday. Yeah. So what what have y'all been up to this summer? We've been kind of here. I've been doing uh, some jobs here and there, locally speaking. You know, a couple. It seems like I keep working in Winterville. You just somewhere. finished the Winterville, the um, Winterville musical gig the last time we recorded, right? That's right. You just published That's right. it. I've done another video about Winterville. Yeah, since yeah. Then. You and Doc uh, Farrell are getting tight. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's good people. I mean, he's got he's well connected <clears> too. So uh, went to Athfest. Um, oh, I was cool. so excited because one of my favorite college bands was the Connells. Um, the Connells were here, and they played. They were really? the they were the I guess headliner on that Sunday evening. Cool. And I had you know, over the past years, my kids have listened to Connell's uh, music. You know, when I kind of play it every now and then, like fun and games, and 
you know, 74, 75, slack-jawed, uh, some off their Ring album. So I had kind of prepared them that we were going to go and uh, see uh, the Connells at the AthFest. And they're, they're semi-local, Atlanta band, they're right? They're based out of uh, North Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina, okay. But uh, the funny thing is they had not played in Athens in 20 years. Really? And the funny thing is also, I guess it's not funny, it's just the fact that I was there. Uh, I was at the 40 Watt in 1998. Uh, with my wife, and I think I remembered my wife and Doug McMillan, who's the lead singer, doing either Jaeger or tequila shots after the the gig, or uh, both. Or both. <laughs> I, I just I, I vividly remember that um, that evening back in 1998. But uh, it was cool because my kids really knew the lyrics down pat of about three or four songs and we stayed through three-fourths of the set and they played slack jawed and uh my oldest son it just kind of was cool to me he's leaning on the front gate like basically the front row leaning over it had been raining it looks like he's pouring sweat and i got these cool pictures of him and my other son just right up front and i, I told him it was like you, y'all are gonna be going to a lot of festivals and concerts as y'all get older and this is your first one this just remember this this is awesome you know you're from athens and you saw it here in athens one of my favorite bands so shout out to the connells they did a great job i wasn't real sure what to expect they they have aged and it's kind of amazing in my in my mind's eye they still look like they were probably in their 30s but they aren't anymore um let's so. say i'm trying to think who the equivalent of the connells would have been for uh, for you, for me, maybe uh, Jupiter Cody, maybe you know, just just a typical college. Band. Yeah, I mean, and if you think of typical nineteen nineties college music, that's yeah. kind of the epitome. Yeah, um, there was, um, well, there was a band. Oh gosh, I'm going to blow their names. Judge Clay Fuller, who's a judge in Gainesville, federal judge now, was was in that band. I'm be so mad at myself. Um, all good, all, oh, all good, good was yeah. the band that was. Kind of when, I, especially when I was in law school, they were kind of the go-to band. Um, of course, I'm old enough to remember when um, uh, Normaltown was kind of a, a th- the Normaltown thing. Flyers, Flyers yeah. were a thing. Uh, we would go to Allen's and, and watch them play. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, you know it's funny when you go to uh, every every college town, no matter where you go, every college town, even Champaign, uh, this REO Speedwagon, by the way, uh, every college town has a, one or two of those bands about every decade, right? That you can kind of identify when someone went to school based on the bands they listened to or who mm-hmm. who the local who the big local bands were. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty cool. You got to see the Connells because I yeah. I mean I generally remember their music because um, uh, they were still playing a little bit. Uh, I guess this, they. I guess they weren't playing in Athens. When I came back to work in 2000, they were still. You know, there's you still find a CD. I of think them they play there. maybe five or six gigs a year. Yeah. Now, and so it was just it kind of worked. They played Variety Playhouse the night before. Um, somehow it worked out where they could do that. But yeah, so I did that. Um, I don't know. A couple of days ago, I went to Lake Lanier. Um, we got our big trips kind of coming up at the end of July. We're going to Great Wolf Lodge. Mm. It's a new indoor water park. Down in Lagrange, Lagrange, Georgia. okay, yeah, and my my kids literally have been counting it down since like fifty days ago. Yeah, they were talking about. it. I was like, yeah, oh, shocker, yeah, shocker, yeah. And um, I, I'm a little worried because it's uh, we're going to be there for two nights, and yeah. my sister and her boyfriend just went with with her kids down there, and um, he kind of leaned into me. He was like, yeah, it's it's good for a day. Take bourbon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, is there anything else to do? So I guess you'll enjoy it for a day, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be fun. And then, and then after that, what are we doing after that? Um, we're going to, oh yeah, we're going to Savannah and then we're going to St. Simon's. Yeah. So when are you going to Savannah? Uh, last week of July. Yeah, cool. I'll be there too. 
Yeah. Do a podcast. Yeah, we do a podcast. Remote, remote podcast. Yeah, we're, um, yeah, one other thing I'd highly advise all listeners to do. Mm-hmm. Go paintballing with your kids. Paintballing? We went paintballing in Michigan. It was amazing. So much fun. A lot of fun. Kids, uh, families just sh- sh- not really shoot at each other. That, that sounds sounded better in my head. It sounded better in your head. Um, yeah, and that, that jogs my memory. Even This is actually football related. The last time I went paintballing, Georgia played at Alabama, and it was not the Matthew Stafford Mikey Henderson game. Oh, that's the O two. It was Larry uh, Munson loses by Fred Gibson. Billy Bennett kicked a Billy field, Bennett goal. field goal. Yeah, and we started 16, the season 13. five and zero. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know what year it was. I think it was O two. Okay, maybe maybe it was O two. Yeah, that sounds about right because I remember I was at three dollar cafe. Oh, wow. afterwards we we were going to go in there to watch the game. I think it was three thirty CBS kickoff, and I remember after Georgia won. I was shocked because I was like, this is the first time and I've ever remembered that we're five and zero to start the season. Yeah. And just think about where we've come from uh, there with expectations, which, which we'll get into later about, uh, I've got some things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to just kind of set up what, what Tony and I are going to do without will. We are going to kind of go through some of the sec schedules, um, as you know, some, some nuances that I've kind of picked out. And then also I found some cool bowl projections and some other things online that are just kind of perfect July things to talk about. But, um, I did mention, Will. you mentioned, Will. Right. he's, he's not here. He's, he's doing something amazing in New York, New York city, probably recording another will each show or something like that. But, um, it, Will's a Cardinals fan and, um, the Braves, you, you don't say, yeah, yeah, he's he's mentioned a couple times. Um, him and John Ham, I think, are the two the, the two biggest Cardinal yeah. fans out there. But uh, the Braves played the Cardinals last weekend, and you know, got got a lot of things going on. My wife was in the Dominican Republic for five days without me, um, so you know, I've been busy uh, on the home front. <laughs> okay, but uh, so that so she'd gotten home, and then I saw a tweet come across and um i'd never <laughs> i'd never been tweeted at from this particular handle and it was at seeing red pod and it's will's fifth podcast that he does with bernie miklas i think that's his, co-host his name, name. Yeah. i think he writes for athletic he's a beat reporter yeah. for st louis yep. cardinals i think it said this is your friendly two-year reminder or twice a year reminder that the of the infield fly thing and and if you know tony and me on this podcast We've gone round and round about the infill fly about six years ago in the playoffs with the Cardinals and the Braves, and they were uh, just kind of needling us. And so I made sure to comment back after the Braves won that Friday evening game, and then again on Saturday, and then by Sunday I kind of felt bad, and I didn't even needle them anymore. But uh, I tuned into their podcast on Sunday night. It sounded like one of ours <laughs> after Georgia loses to Auburn last well, year. Well, those Yeah, they, they were beside oh themselves. Oh, my yeah, Exactly. <laughs> so shout out to Bernie and Will. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, tweeting at us. And uh, now that we're following each other, I think uh, come September 17th when the Cardinals visit SunTrust Park, we'll, uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we can just do a little wager on the podcast. I yeah. think we know people. Yeah, Bernie, Bernie and Will are liable to be at SunTrust. <laughs> we should go. Yeah, we should do a, a co-swap um, yeah. you know, over podcast. Uh, but uh, that's what I had for Will. Um, well, what speak, you got? well, speaking of baseball, I do want to do a shout out for the for the Georgia uh, Dogs, uh, the baseball team. Um, we did lose in the regional to a, a Duke team that maybe we shouldn't have lost to, but I, I did see some comments about people like, "Oh, we ought not have lost to Duke. They're terrible." No, they're not terrible. This was like the last seeded fourth team, uh, last seeded number two team in the NCAA basketball tournament, losing to like the top seeded fifth team it's not a terrible upset um duke 
it is baseball. It's, it's, it's also baseball, right? I mean, you know, Duke had Duke had was built to play us well. They had uh, they had good middle relief, um, and which is where Georgia struggled all season. And I, I still think if we get past Duke, we play in Omaha because I thought the Texas Tech team that beat them in the Super Regional out in, out in Lubbock was not really that. I thought they, I thought Georgia matched up well with them. Uh, and also, hats off to the the Lady Dogs softball team. You hate to go out there and lose two in a row when you get out to uh, Oklahoma City, but they did make the College World Series, the Softball World Series, and um, you just got to take your hats off because they lost their number one pitcher in May before they even got into the SEC tournament. Uh, and my daughter Katie went to a softball tournament. I saw Brittany Gray um, there when we were doing check-in with Katie, and uh, you know she's got this massive baller scar all because she tore a bicep like mm-hmm. right here and i was like how's it going she's like i'm already throwing so she's all over it and uh you know, hats hats off to coach trickling hats off to coach uh champer and and what happened this season with softball and baseball and then of course this is this is proof that the big 10 sucks the worst um if you saw the lady dogs uh track and field came with the nats hair women winning a national championship all they needed was southern cal to not win the um, four by four hundred women's really, yeah. Purdue had a over a hundred yard lead coming off turn four. The runner started breezing, and the anchor caught her at the line. And Southern Cal wins the women's national championship. So, pour a little out for everybody who does not trust Purdue. You're doing it right. Uh, you should never trust Purdue. And then the men won the national championship. And the men, yeah, the men did win, which was amazing. Which put Georgia eighth in the Directors Cup. Yeah, for the yeah, season, and they had not even been placing anywhere close to the top twenty-five in the past couple of years. So, I guess you could say McGarrity's kind of had a bit of a resurgence with his athletic teams, and it might have might have taken the heat off of him because I know a couple of years ago that was one of the things that was really people were pointing at. Well, the the thing is, is with the resources University of Georgia has, um, we're never going to catch Stanford because Stanford fills the varsity team literally in every varsity sport you can. I think except for shooting, and you know that's fine. But there is no reason why Georgia, all the women's sports, all the men's sports, are, should not be top 25 or, or at least nationally or at least regionally relevant and, and, and maybe even nationally relevant. Um, you know, soccer and volleyball are two that come to mind that we still have some growth on. Uh, but, you know, it helps. You know, women's gymnastics, though, even though we're still not to where we were with the glory days, they made the national championships. Um, softball makes the national championships. Uh, baseball makes the, um, the, the, the tournament. Lady Dogs basketball makes the tournament as a high seed. Um, so, you know, and then you have a football team that finishes second in the nation, and that, uh, that, that does come back. I think it pays dividends. I think one of the things that, that concerned me, um, and I don't necessarily share, I, I have concerns about, you know, McGarrity's uh, and, and the overall leadership, but just because it feels like at times it's no plan. It's just we're going to, okay, oh, we need money spent here. Let's well, spend it here. Lutarski handled that with the whole ticketing. Right, right. <laughs> but that's, it's, it's illustrative. But I will say that the one thing that gives me hope is that there has been a renewed focus up and down about uh, putting quality products on the field and and as a part of that and making sure that we have quality facilities i mean stegman looks great it's you know we're never going to be where kentucky is and frankly i don't think we should spend the money to be where kentucky is yeah i can make the argument we should do what what auburn does although i I just i like stegman i think it's a great facility could we go and spend another uh, 100 million dollars to make it marginally nicer yeah 
we could. I mean, it's fine. But, I mean, what they did last year was yeah, it made made it look really made it, made it look really good. Um, you know, some of the improvements to to the baseball stadium, to Foley. Um, could we spend you know uh, ten million dollars and build a new baseball stadium out out at the softball and soccer field? Of course we could. But then you again you take away the the stadium uh, on campus, right? Um, which I think is important. So you know, one of the I think I think one of the things I'll take away from this the season is that whether it was by coincidence or whether it was because the football team did so well it's good to feel like we're going the right direction with across all athletics because i'm you know, i'm a georgia bulldog fan i mean i would i would root for georgia and tiddlywinks and frankly i don't you know it doesn't really matter if you got a g if you're wearing the power of g i'm going to root for you and it's good to see georgia performing well in across a lot of sports and that's that's what the director's cup uh, you know, that's what it demonstrates. That eighth place finish demonstrates that. So when you were traveling all in in the Big Ten country, did you see any other Georgia people or did anybody give you a go dog? Yeah, I got a couple of go dogs. Of course, I got one. Uh, or Green Bay. I got, no, you know, I, this is the first time I never got any. I got no Green Bay. Where'd you get the red Green Bay hat this time? Which is was stunning to me, especially in Milwaukee. It really was stunning. I didn't get a single time. Um, I did get one go Gators from a guy. No, I mean, you can't make this up. He was wearing, literally wearing jean shorts in Mackinac and I said go dogs back to him and he started to say something else and I gave him the we can talk about the football game this year if you want look and he just kept right on walking um so but you know yes yeah, it's, it's cool it's cool I, I did see one other um I saw the University of Georgia sticker on a car way north of Detroit uh um, might have been Matt Stafford yeah, maybe it's Matt Stafford. No, they had a. I want to say they had Tennessee license plates but it made me feel good to see the Georgia sticker on a car that far north so I guess w- w- what I wanted to talk about now is just a couple of, uh, I guess, points about the football team. I don't really want to get in too much because we'll handle all that when the three of us. Yeah, no. It's, and well, it's still it's too, too early. Still just a hot Still fit. too early. And I, 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 I was at the pool yesterday. I didn't have my phone. And I was going over there and I, I literally walked over right when my phone was buzzing like a little alert. It said Dog Nation on it. It just kind of popped up. It's like, I wonder what. What happened? You know, nothing bad. I was thinking, thinking, what kind of silly little story are they running? You know, to kind of fill time. And then you, you kind of click on it. And it says <laughs> Jake Fromm breaks his hand <laughs> in a boating accident or something. And of course, I click on it and read it. And the good thing is, I think it was Jeff Sintel that wrote it. He did it. It's almost like when you're in college and you call your parents after you've gotten kind of a fender bender. First thing you need to say is, "Hey." I'm, I'm okay, okay. <laughs> but here's what happened. He did a good job in the article because within the first three sentences, I, I immediately was like, okay, this is fine. Um, because he said, uh, you know, by the way, Saturdays down South did not do that. Oh, they, they buried did? the lead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was about four paragraphs in before you learned that it was his left non-throwing hand and he was fine. Right. Right. So, you know, and then you mentioned earlier, I mean, then he has a, a, a limb fall in his house from a storm. And uh, but somebody did report. I don't know where all these reporters are getting this from, but they said that he was easily moving debris with both hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. a good thing. Well, I mean, he's he's country. But yeah. Yeah. And um, country strong, too. First thing I thought of is, you know, we have a talent of riches with Justin Fields and Jake from. But with Stetson Bennett transferring. It does leave a little bit of uh, concern, I guess, the fact that there is no quality. And you know, we didn't have a third stringer play last year, but it's almost one of those insurance policies that you'd like to have. But I mentioned it yesterday amongst my buddies at the pool, and somebody said Kirby will grab a grad transfer somehow, or or get somebody in there to solidify a backup. 
So Stetson Bennett's from my hometown. My dad saw Stetson a couple weeks ago and just asked him about it offhand. He's like, yeah, Mr. Dean, I just want to just want to play football. Sure. Which you get, right? And it's totally very clear it. he's not going to. They put him in any mop-up duty last year. And he understood, you know, they're trying to get Ramsey a few looks here and there. But the reality is, is that we are um, – Pucker factor goes way up if Jake Fromm gets hurt in that first game. It does. Right? Because last year we – We had Ramsey we and had, Fromm. We had Ramsey and Fromm, and we you know, felt like Ramsey – certainly Ramsey wasn't the dynamic quarterback that, that Fromm is. Um, and I don't, I don't – that's not provocative to say that. It's just a matter of fact. But if you have Fromm go down for any manner of time, it also changes the way that you want to consider using fields with skill set, mm-hmm. right? Because – he broke his hand pretty badly on a run last year. Think about Florida State season last year. Yeah, you know they had they had two guys go out a couple times in in the season. They had to go to third string, and and that happened a couple times with them in previous years. I mean, they had kind of a revolving door of no name quarterbacks after the the starters get injured. So it is it is a viable thing. It's not like you can just we're lucky to have you know four or five running backs or four or five deep at wide receiver or something. But I think it's just. It's July, and you start worrying about things like that. And once the season comes along, you'll you'll kind of get your answer. But uh, but yeah, depth chart for quarterback definitely definitely is something to consider. What is the um, anything else on like the defensive line or you know I mentioned wide receiver. Uh, you know with Javon Wims leaving, you got Godwin, you got Hardman. Is Crumpton going to kind of fall in on maybe the slot or something like that? What what's kind of shaping up with that in mid July? You have a couple of keys. Are those freshmen going to step up? How much are they going to use Hardman? Right? I just Offensively, you have to think that – Do you maybe go back to relying on tight end more because we've got so much experience? Yeah, I think that's a good, it's a good question. I was sitting here pondering that very thing. You know, do, how much do you rely on your tight ends uh, vis-a-vis your um, you know, wide outs? But, I mean, anything – if last year showed us anything, one, Fromm likes to have that one go-to guy, mm-hmm. and he probably still does. Uh, two – Chandy likes to he he likes to spread it around, or at least give looks to spread it around. And the more dynamic playmakers you have on the edge, the more things you make defenses defend, which in turn makes our running game look better. Um, for example, the swift run uh, against Auburn, the, the the really the game sealer that last touchdown run. Um, we had two guys off one side, uh, a third guy on the side that that swift runs from. It's nothing. I mean, he had he was 15 yards. I don't remember who was out there on that side, on the left side. But, he, I mean, he took his guy down like he was just running a simple out pattern. And by the time he made his cut, Swift is already – it was a time in play. Swift's already around the corner, so he could lock him up. He drove him – I mean, he drove him another 15 yards down the field. Even if he breaks loose, Swift's already gained 30 yards. And that kind of physicality is kind of what I'm going to be looking for as we go into the fall practices because that's what – that's what Pimmons and Smart want out there on those blockers. You can be as fast as you can be. You, you can block. have great hands. You have to block. Yeah, and that's and that's and frankly, that's kind of what I'm thinking. No matter what, I mean, I think Mark Webb had kind of an injury in spring practice, so he might be limited. Um, I don't know, Jaden Hunter. No, he's a. I'm thinking Bryce Hunter's son. He's a linebacker, but he wears number 88. So I'm thinking wide receiver. He's not a wide receiver, but you know, maybe uh, Jeremiah Holloman. I don't know. It, you know. It's just speculation right now. Well, yeah, the interesting thing would be to see what they do with Charlie Warner because he almost can flex out and play some of those receivers' uh, positions. Um, of course, Ridley is going to continue to be um, uh, you know, a go-to guy. So, you know, I think it's going to – I think what we're going to have to really pay attention to 
I, I think you're right. I think it's just really which of these guys are going to be most physical in the run game. And it's just a run game. Um, they want to block on passes too, especially if they're not the primary guy. But let's be clear. Nobody really knew about Javon Wims this time last year. I mean, he had a decent junior season. It's a great point. It is a great point. Who who and, knew and he, he was made, become he that made guy. his presence known in that very first game that catch he made against App State? Yeah, no, Frog's you're right. First touchdown yeah. pass. I think. Yeah, you're right. Uh, what what do you think about um, Andrew Thomas moving over to the left tackle, and then what putting Isaiah Wilson at right tackle? Is that kind of yeah? What I think that's that. Yeah, I think you're just trying to trying some things out there. Although. Um, you know, you talked about the athletic a minute ago. They had a great article in the athletic about Sam Pittman. Um, I'm pretty sure Seth wrote that article, but it is stunning to me that we've gone from a year ago where we were, uh, there was a fair amount of not dishonest handwringing over the offensive line. And this year it was like, eh, yeah. Andrew Thomas, whatever. Right. Um, we feel fine about the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, I say we. I mean, collectively, we. As we, a, can, we can say we. We've done this for three or four seasons. Well, I say we. I mean, collectively, fans. I, I think I, I may still have a little PTSD or whatever you want to call it about whatever. I, I still I still look at a schedule and think, oh, man, there's four losses in here no matter what we do. We'll get into that. We, there are some people <laughs> that have predicted multiple losses. Yeah, already. yeah. Um, but, you know, I think Andrew Thomas is a decent fit. He's probably He's probably more athletic. Then Wilson, certainly not the size Wilson is, but um, well, it's hard to replace a first round draft pick at left. Right, so. right. And, and look, none of us thought Isaiah Wynn was going to be that either. And we thought he was good, uh, but none of us thought he was going to be a first round pick. I think it's the chin beard. It's the chin beard that he has. Uh, what about defensively? Um, I just waiting to see how the, the linebackers come together. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Yeah, it makes me feel good when you look and see all the names back on the front. Um, you know the cornerbacks, so the the backfield is going to be good, but depth's going to be an issue. But you know everybody's like, well, you can't replace a Roquan Smith. No, no, you can't. There was only a few people thought Roquan Smith was going to be what it was going to be last year too. Yeah, he he made his presence known in the TCU bowl game. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's where the whole eye opening moment happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have some athletes that can be that guy. Uh, to, to to play forward, I think and, I think, I think uh, Nate McBride is really going to surprise. Yeah, I think McBride's going to be a surprising. And um, oh gosh, what's his name? I have to, um, Walter Grant is is another guy that I'm I'm kind of keeping an eye on to see what he does. Um, you know, the the interesting thing about some of these guys is that you uh, the thing about the defense that really drives Mel Tucker's defense is being able to disrupt the line of scrimmage and make make quarterbacks have to make difficult decisions if they're running a, a RPO, right? You you want to put them in a position of having to make no-win decisions or like marginally, you know, this is marginally better and having to make that decision fast. And that all starts with the defensive line. It did that, it did last year. Um, I mean, there were times where we used, we were able to use Roquan's athleticism to um, to disguise his, uh, or disguise coverages, uh, which allowed him to, like he had a hit against Nick Fitzgerald against Mississippi State where he just basically it looked like he was playing in coverage in the second, um, the second, the, uh, play action happened. He just was on the in the backfield, and I mean, he hit Fitzgerald wide open. A Fitzgerald threw the ball away because Fitzgerald's a good quarterback. But you know, Fitzgerald was thinking about that the rest of the game. I, I, I remember that play. I remember telling my wife, "It's like you watch this." Fitzgerald's gonna be thinking about the rest of the game. He threw an interception like two plays later. Mm-hmm. So because he was like he's hearing footsteps. Yeah. So not to switch gears too much, but I have a question for you. Do you think if Georgia played in the Big Twelve that they would have a top five defense? No. 
Top 10, yeah. <laughs> no. Did you see the quote? I saw the quote. I mean, look, I, I get it's it's an interesting thing to talk about in July, but I mean, what's what's Lincoln Riley going to say? Now he didn't have he did not have to pick out Georgia. Let's be clear about that. Uh, but you're on Danny Cannell's TV uh, uh, radio oh, was show. It, it was Cannell that asked okay. the question. Um, that explains a lot. But you know the the reality is is that Georgia had extraordinarily good defense last year. Um, did we have a good game against Oklahoma? No, we well, did the not. The first half we didn't until yeah. until Tay Crowder covered up that terrible onside kick. Right. Or not onside, the squib kick. Squib kick. Right. But the no, but it Georgia's defense still would have been very good last year. Did you see David Pollock's response? Yes. I thought it was perfect. Perfect. That dead on. Yeah. He said something like uh he did he agreed. He was like, Yeah, Georgia probably wouldn't have a top five defense if they played in the Big Twelve, but they would have the best Big Twelve defense. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way to put it. Um, so moving on, I, I, any, any final thoughts on, I mean, we're still waiting. It's July. July. I mean, the, the little league world series hasn't even happened yet. And it's, you know, cause that's kind of, whenever I see that on TV, I know we're like super close. Cause that happens like two weeks before college football starts. Right. Um, am I boring? Yeah, you? no, we still don't go to, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tony yawn. Yeah. We don't go. I mean, we don't even go to media days for like another two weeks. Right. Are we going? No, we don't have credentials. We don't have credentials. Yet. I, bet, I bet we could score some, maybe. No, no, they don't let. They don't let. Yeah, you just send, do send, fangled media. Send a sample of podcast episodes, like yeah, some of the best not, best yeah. bits. Yeah. Um, did you hear that uh, the Georgia Oklahoma Rose Bowl game is up for an SB award? Yeah, it's best game of the year. I voted best like nineteen game. times. Okay, so do you know what the the competition is? Um, hold on, because I voted in this. I do know. Like game six of game the, five, game five, the Astros Dodgers, yeah, the World Series. I think it was like a thirteen to twelve. Um, was uh, that right? Ten inning, yeah, yeah. 13, maybe the Olympic women's ice hockey beating Canada oh, in the shootout. Shootout, and then like the, no, it's just those three. I thought there was a fourth. Rose Bowl. Okay, well, from what yeah. I saw, um, yeah. I really think Georgia. I mean, I'm biased, but I think Georgia has a pretty good shot of winning that because. I didn't see the ice hockey game. I'm happy the U.S. beat Canada. Anytime the U.S. can beat Canada in anything, I'm, I'm extremely happy. And then g- game five of the World Series, I mean, let's be clear. It was the Astros and the Dodgers, and it should have been like a National League West title bout because <laughs> I still think of the Astros and the National League West. Uh, as long with the-, the, gr- the great thing about it is when the second you said that, I was like, he's, he's going to make a National League American League thing. <laughs> um, so... I am biased, but I thought let's let's dive a little deeper in the numbers here. And so I went back and looked at how many people are watching these games, you know, the the ratings and the women's ice hockey. I think it said that two point nine million people saw that. Yeah. Okay. So it, I think it, it equates to like a one or two overnight share. Yeah. Then the game five of the Astros of the Dodgers had a twelve eight share, okay. which I don't know what that equivalent equival- is. It? I don't know what the equivalent of that would be. Um, maybe like 18 million. Let's just say that it did beat the NFL game that night. So we'll, that's okay. a point in there. Uh, it was a Sunday night game on NBC, but the Rose Bowl drew 26.8 million people, and that was on ESPN. That was on cable, quote yeah. unquote. Even though people have cable, but the share was 13.7. Wow! So it was the fifth most watched college football game. Ever of, of the year on oh, ever, ever on okay. ESPN. Wow, next to wow. a couple of national championships. So I think based on that and the drama and the fact that we had an awesome video that made its rounds about watching it. And in fact, I'm I'm going to go off on a tangent. I still get tweets. I still get comments 
on that YouTube video. Oh, do you it's really? It's almost hit a hundred thousand <clears throat> views. That's pretty cool on YouTube. And I get, I got a, I got a comment this week. It just said hashtag chills, <laughs> and it, it just makes me, it, it, it makes me feel good. The fact that people are still reliving that because it does. It, it was a special moment, and so I, I really think. Georgia has a good chance of winning. I'm a little mad at myself for not thinking to record, uh, do a video of the play because Sony literally ran right at me uh, in the stadium. Oh oh yeah. You weren't recording. Well, here's the thing. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm, I'm, I'm always, you're always recording. Look, you got the, yeah, you got, yeah. And so there comes a point where I'm very conscious about this. I've got my iPhone. I've got a little pocket uh, Canon camera. I've got my DSLR. I've got microphones. I've got GoPros and, if we go on a vacation or anywhere with friends or if I think something, even if I think we're going to the neighborhood pool and somebody is going to jump into the pool or if I can get him to do a trick flipping off the diving board, I'm going to take my camera. And so there comes a point where why don't you just enjoy the moment and not have to document it? It, it, it I feel like I can almost uh, criticize it because I'm doing it all the time. You know, when you'll see a big moment, like uh, I was watching the NBA finals and uh, nobody's watching the game. Like if you look in the first three or four <clears throat> yeah, rows, everybody's got the their phone. phone up doing yeah. like Instagram or Snapchat or just taking a video. So I'm glad that you don't have a, a video clip of it because it means that you basically seared that into your memory. Uh, you know, the way that we all used to do it, um, even though that's not done anymore. And I will take my phone and my camera to all the George games I go to this year and probably be recording a lot. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad that you don't have a video clip of it because it means that you just kind of enjoyed the moment. Yeah, I went back and looked. I have a picture of the scoreboard mm-hmm. at the uh, start of overtime. Wow. I have a picture. Do you have an EKG readout of your... Uh... Yeah, no, that's my doctor called. I have a picture of my wife and I, like, right before the start of the second overtime. I have a picture immediately after Sony scored. That's a great... It's picture. a great picture, See, right? and that's the thing. When it comes to video versus pictures, yeah. video's great. But that is an amazing picture you're showing. I'm going to put that up on our, uh, yeah, our podcast, uh, WSLSpodcast.com. I'll, I'll write up a little thing about this episode, and you can go and go to our website and see that. Yeah, it was. I just, and you know, the funny thing about it is, um, like the second it happened, my wife's phone rang, or like six seconds later, because there's a, a delay. Um, and I was already like, I, I mean, we literally were going wild in the stands, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, God, I got to get a picture of the score before the scoreboard before, before they turn it on. Because uh, I missed getting a copy, a picture of the scoreboard or wherever it was. Oh, Notre Dame, because they turned it off so For fast. Sure. Um, and uh, so the so I was like, I need it. And so she's on the phone. I'm like, oh, this is great. I can get the scoreboard for both of us. And it's just it's really cool. That was a good picture. You should yeah. you should print that out and frame it. In your yeah, house. oh, I uh, probably will. Yeah, yeah. probably will. All right, so um, one more thing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if anybody else picked up on this. Probably not. Maybe maybe one or two of y'all. Um, but as I've been watching sports throughout the summer, you know, there's not much to choose from between baseball and World Cup and college World Series. Did you see the way that, that Arkansas lost the college World Series? Yeah. Did it no. make you think of any kind of equivalency to something we saw back on January 8th on like a, I mean, not, not exactly, <laughs> but could you draw a correlation? Well, the main thing, I, the one thing I'll say is you got to catch pop-ups. Yeah, it's well, fundamentals. I think what I'm getting at is like the most worst, I think we talked about it in the one of the follow-up, like Will was, was kind of dumbfounded on coming up with an equivalence on like, how bad of a loss that was yeah. just where is a gut punch. And that, that was drawn out a little bit more and they had yeah. a chance to redeem themselves. It wasn't the exact last play of the game. But when I saw that 
Arkansas second baseman fumbled that, and then they or fumbled and missed the. Yeah, I mean, all, they, it was all right three there. of them. All three of them. It was right there. Yeah. Um, it made me think like <laughs> there's been a couple of other recent equivalent uh, moments to what we experienced for the Falcons against the Patriots and then uh. Georgia versus Alabama. I guess it's kind of cathartic to try to make yourself feel a little bit better. So just this summer, just since you know school let out in May, the Arkansas College World Series loss. I kind of chalked that up like that's that's similar. They're feeling the same way I did. Right. You know, that's kind of how I'm getting at it. Did you see Germany beat Sweden? And I don't mean to get yes. off on a soccer tangent, yes. but did you see that kick? <clears throat> yeah, at the, the end penalty of the game kick, yeah. Where I mean I've gotten more into soccer and I promise it was incredible. We'll, we'll spend it was incredible. On this. No. It was one of the best kicks, free yeah. kicks I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, curved it right around him. But it was a stunning defeat. Yeah. Where they were about to lose. Yeah. And then they, I think they tied it to get a point. I don't know, but it was amazing. They, they ended up winning, probably. Um, they ended up tied, but still. Ended up tied, and it pushed them through. Um, also, in the knockout round, Russia beat Spain on penalty kicks. Yeah. Croatia beat Denmark on yeah. penalty kicks. And England beat Colombia on penalty kicks. And the interesting thing about England beating Colombia on penalty kicks, that's the first time in like, 50 years that England has won a knockout game on penalty kicks and they've been in five. So they've been cursed. So they've been speak. cursed. That's exactly right. I mean, you, you know, your Twitter, if you, if you look at soccer Twitter right before they have, it's like, well, this is over. England's going to penalty kicks <laughs> um, and not in a good way, but uh, yeah. And then another example from the world cup, Belgium beat Japan. Uh, that was it miserable. Was, it was, it was a uh, extra time. Not not overtime, but basically yeah. they'd hit ninety minutes. Yeah, they were ninety seventh minute or something. The ref had put five minutes on the clock, oh. and in the ninety fourth minute, Belgium scores, and you could see the Japan athletes or the soccer players just collapse on the field because yeah. basically the whistle happened right after that. Yeah. So I thought that was very yeah that was um, hard equivalent was hard. to it, and then Florida beating Auburn in the super regionals. Oh yeah, on the home run that was crazy. That that probably was crazier. I mean, that, that, so so basically, I, I say that because that's what my mind goes to. Whenever I see someone lose like that, now because of what's happened over the past sixteen months uh, in sports and, and teams that I care about, I try to find other fan bases not not to not to uh, erupt in joy that they're miserable, but just to to say, okay, they're feeling what I felt too. Not to the same degree, because still nothing is going to. Top that, and I mean that in the worst way possible. Right. Um, but it just, it just <laughs> until the next time. Yeah, until the next time. So you just realize that it happens to other teams as well. Um, so what I wanted to get into now, uh, kind of the the last third of this podcast episode, is I went through bowl projections on collegefootballnews.com. Okay. And I also looked at um, the other SEC schedules, just kind of. Went through and I, I picked out some interesting matchups or kind of, I guess, a run of games that might spell doom or make you cock your head to the side. I'm going to go ahead and start out with the, the one that I was not expecting to see um, that just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to have to watch that game. And it is Florida at Mississippi State on September 26th. Yeah. You want to talk about how crazy are the SEC script writers? Florida State, I'm sorry, Florida takes Mississippi State's coach. And then, of course, Florida, who's their crossover rival this year? And where are they going? And where are they going? They're going to Stark Vegas. That game's going to be nuts. And the College Football News website marked that as a loss for Florida. (laughs) Yeah. So another another interesting thing, uh, Florida and Arkansas play Mike Bobo this year. 
I've got that marked as a loss too. I mean, so Colorado State goes to Florida. I'm sorry, the Colorado State goes to Arkansas on September 8th, and yeah. then the week after that, they go to Florida. Yeah, making that cash money. That, yeah, and get, get maybe, Mike Bobo that job. Back. Maybe, maybe if he impresses, I don't think they'll. Man, they could beat Arkansas. They could beat Florida. Who knows? I don't know what kind of team. I think they're going to beat Florida. Is Fatone Balta still quarterback for Colorado State? Yes, because it's 2009. Um, no, I think they're going to beat Florida. I mean, I if, look, Florida's. I, I think Dan Mullen's going to be fine in Florida, but this is not the year they're going to be fine because McIlwain. McIlwain was busy doing stuff with sharks. I mean, <laughs> he was he was not. I mean, I still I still look back on that, watching him walk off the field after Georgia, Florida, yeah. just the look of joy on his face knowing he was done. He was getting a paycheck. And yeah. although he didn't get as much as he should have because he started making up stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, what that, that's what Florida drives you to start yeah. lying about things. Yeah. So uh, Kentucky goes, their first SEC game, check this out, is September 8th at Florida. Yeah. Florida usually plays Tennessee, Tennessee to start. in the first yeah. game. So I thought that was a unique schedule quirk that I've never seen before. And for the 977th year in the row, they're going to lose to Florida. Yeah, yeah. Probably in heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, just it's Florida, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, Missouri plays Wyoming out of conference, you know, which would have been significant last year. It would have been jo- uh, Drew Locke versus Josh Allen. Yeah. But, you know, uh, but Wyoming does have uh, – they got somebody ranked, like, uh, I think the number one safety or something like that that somebody was predicting. I don't know. They got, a, they got at least one good player. Well, that's – so, be, if they're on defense, that might be all it takes. Um, and then Missouri plays at Purdue, so um, Purdue kind of shocked them last year. Guys, I don't care how you feel about rooting for or rooting against SEC teams. We have to root for Missouri against Purdue because Purdue ruins everything. Yeah. Oh, South Carolina, the only thing significant I could find on there, they're not opening on a Thursday, like the first game of the year. They're just playing a what? game. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who they're playing. I think I like Coastal Carolina. I don't understand the world. <laughs> so the Steve Spurrier's not there anymore. So he's not doing that Thursday night Thursday game to get. So that's a good thing for Georgia because yeah. they got to play. It so they yeah, don't they, get two extra days yeah. to prepare for Georgia. We play something called an Austin P. Yeah, I know. I still haven't figured that out yet. I think it was a person. Yeah, we're playing one probably guy. like like probably friends with Daniel Boone or something. Yeah, like that. Austin Austin P. Boone. I don't know. That checks out. Um, Tennessee plays a tough opener. West Virginia in Charlotte. That, that could be like last year. Remember when Tennessee played Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech had like 525 yards yeah, rushing? Yeah, no, Chris and I watched that game at Will's house. Yeah, that's right. We, yeah, did, we a did a podcast that podcast, night. yeah. So they, they opened with a really tough uh, West Virginia. By the way, they have a grad transfer, Keller Christ. Yeah. Do you know whose uncle is Keller, who, who Keller Christ's uncle is? Charlie Christ. Paul Christ. Paul Christ. Not Charlie Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, Tennessee plays... In succession, Florida at home, at Georgia, open date, at Auburn, Bama at home, at South Carolina. <laughs> I mean, so Jeremy Pruitt, like Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt might need to get his wins somewhere else along um, that stretch. And I'll be saying That's this. about as tough as it gets. I'll be saying this all season. I can't wait for the bum fight video between Jeremy Pruitt and the Big Orange. It's Just can't happen. wait. At what, uh, at what point of what game? Will that happen? Florida, Georgia, open date, Auburn, Bama, South Carolina. Oh, no. It's going to be on the DC3 ride back from Tuscaloosa. <laughs> okay. Fat Phil's going to get – oh, he's he's going to end up coaching this football team before he retires. That's his, that's his plan, isn't it? He's going to – no, he's going to bury Alvarez. He's going to bury Alvarez uh, Pruitt. It's going to happen. I'm pretty sure he subscribes to Barry Alvarez's newsletter. 
Yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, Vanderbilt plays at Notre Dame. Okay, good. Third it, week of the season. Make it two for Vandy. Yeah, uh, Bama. Uh, who's, whose non-conference schedule is more trash, Georgia or Alabama's? Alabama's. They play Arkansas State. Uh-huh. They play Louisiana Lafayette. Uh-huh. They play Louisville in Orlando. But, you know, you can cancel that out with Georgia Tech for Georgia. And they play the Citadel. Georgia Tech is better than Louisville this year. And then Georgia plays Middle Tennessee State, which they're respectable. Austin P. UMass. And UMass. Then Austin P. So yeah. Austin P. would go get – never I'm not even going to get into that. They're both trash. Oh, they're trashy schedules. Yeah, yeah both of them. Um, Auburn, their first road game is October 6th. Okay. Because they, they, they start the season against Washington, but it's in Atlanta, where Atlanta. they've never won at Mercedes-Benz. They were 0-2 last year. I tell you what, that, Atlanta, that game against Washington and Atlanta is going to tell me a lot about Auburn this year. Um, and I don't, you want to be careful about putting too much, because they played a wacky game against Wisconsin a couple of years ago. I thought, oh, my God, Auburn's back, and they turned out to be 3-9 and nine or whatever they were. Um, and then last year against Clemson, it was like, oh, they look terrible against Clemson. They turned out to be fine. Right, so. right. Um, LSU, they open against – Mark Richt and Jerry World. That's I know we covered game. that on the past podcast, but that was like five weeks ago. And Every time I see it, it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they, they open there, and then uh, they have Florida. They're at Florida the week before Georgia comes to Baton Rouge. So, you know, read into it what you want. Maybe that'll be a, a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, maybe it'll be a night game at Florida. They'll get home late, and you can pretty much pencil a night game against Georgia. I don't know, man. That game. Uh, has, you think CBS might? I think pick it up. I think it's a CBS game. We we that would actually, actually be sat a good down thing. and looked at the schedule a couple of weeks ago. I uh, got together the the group of us going out to LSU minus Will because Will's never in town. Um, but we uh, we we really did sit down and look and had, and had some discussions. And I I plan on still doing a post. I might do it at our blog and stuff. Yeah, you sports blog because uh, for a long time I had, had put together potential schedules. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that game has a lot – is probably going to be a 2.30 game. That that week is not great. There's a lot of – based on what we think the season's going to look like, there's a lot of um, powerhouses against teams that are going to be uh, in rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. So I guess – you know how we get excited when it's an 11 a.m. kickoff when Georgia goes to Auburn? Yeah. I guess that's even an equivalent – a two thirty is almost the same thing because you just don't want a night game. Yeah, you don't Tiger want a night State. game at Tiger State. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to see as a like a spectacle. It's cool, but if but you're wanting yeah. to win the game, yeah, you don't you need it. every uh, competitive yeah. advantage you yeah. can get. Well, yeah, you basically want to make the Cajuns start drinking way earlier than they normally do. Yeah, um, Ole Miss. Their last six games are versus SEC opponents. Yeah, um, but the there's a couple websites that I that I looked at. They're predicting them to beat South Carolina, but yet have a losing record. I don't know if they're just trying to be cute or maybe if there's something to do. But, yeah, South Carolina plays at Ole Miss this year. So, uh, you know, kind of look at that. Mississippi State starts the season at Kansas State. That's fine. That kind of fits. So, I mean, Mississippi State versus Kansas State. Wow, that's two different uh, two different offensive philosophies right there. Is uh, Bill Schneider still, Bill Schneider's still, the, still coach. the coach? Well, I mean, he's not. Yeah, he's not dead. He's still the coach. Um, Mississippi State play, also plays three Louisiana schools. They play yeah. like Louisiana. I don't yeah. even know what that is. It's just it says Louisiana. They play they play Louisiana and also the little the little state university. They play uh, Louisiana Tech and then yeah the little state <laughs> university as well. Um, and then Texas A and M they play Clemson. That's yep. pretty cool. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. on uh, September eighth. So uh, now we've gone over all those. Uh, the last thing I wanted to in, maybe have you predict, and we won't draw it out too much. 
collegefootballnews.com has released their way too early bowl proje- projections. Okay. Uh, and I'm just going to go over the SEC tie-ins and then the uh, New Year's Six. I didn't say by, New York Six. By the way, I do want to, since we're, we're talking about bowls, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna, this is going to be one of my crusades for the season. Las Vegas, after they built the new football stadium for the Raiders, is talking about doing uh, upgrading the bowl to make it between a Pac-12 and an SEC team. Really? I am here for this. I've been here for this for years. I've long thought the Las Vegas Bowl, it should be like the lone SEC Pac-12 tie-in. Put that game in Las Vegas. Every fan base will travel. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The game can be Christmas Eve. It doesn't (laughs) matter. Fans will go to that game. It's in Vegas. Yeah. So I I just want to throw that out there. I like that. So I'm I'm just going to tell you the projection, and I want to hear your quick 10-second thoughts on it. Okay. All right, Birmingham Bowl. Central Florida versus Tennessee. <laughs> Central Florida is going to win that game and claim two national championships. <laughs> that's right. Even if they're seven and five. Doesn't or... matter. They, <laughs> hey, we can claim them now. That's right. That's right. Um, the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. Mm. TCU versus Texas A&M. I, that's a great deal more um, confidence in Jimbo than, than I have. Um, I still think TCU wins it. Uh, Music City Bowl, FSU versus Arkansas. That's interesting because I think Chad Morris is going to have Arkansas looking pretty fun. Um, against Willie Taggart? Against Willie Taggart. I mean, Two first-year coaches? Yeah, I, I, I think the recruiting is going to sound crazy. I think recruiting has been a little better at Arkansas. Um, Willie's got to have some time to get some, uh, some horses back in the stable. Belk Bowl, Virginia Tech and Missouri. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard for me to get my head around. Drew Locke deciding yeah. if he's going to actually play in that game because he's going to be the number one pick. Of course he's going to play. He's, it's Drew Locke. He, he plays football. Um, I, I have to say Virginia Tech here. Whoever wrote this, I'm just realizing this, they didn't take into consideration that these teams are going to play during the season. Liberty Bowl, Kansas State versus Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's going to win that game has, first. Has there ever been a bowl game? that? Um, I think it's happened a time or two. I can't think of when it would have been, but I still would pick Mississippi State. Uh, Gator Bowl, Northwestern versus Florida. Oh, God. I don't think Florida's going to win enough games to make a bowl game. So I defer. Uh, <laughs> Citrus Bowl, Penn State versus South Carolina. Give me the Thunder Chickens. Yeah. And then the New Year's Six. Okay. Peach Bowl, they have uh, Michigan State versus Auburn. That's interesting. Okay. Um, Fiesta Bowl, Michigan versus Boise. Okay. I can see that. They would be the one non-Power Five. Rose Bowl, back to tradition. Ohio State. Wisconsin, USC. They pick whiskey? Wisconsin. There's no no Ohio State for there. For the for the Rose Bowl. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm a little flabbergasted. Um, Sugar Bowl, Oklahoma versus Georgia. Really? So That's they don't they don't have they have Alabama winning the SEC. Okay. Yeah. All so right. Rematch. That would yeah. That that'd would be, be interesting. Interesting. And then the two semifinal games. All right. That, that makes it. Uh, um. Cotton Bowl. Let's see. Clemson, Alabama, Washington, and who am I missing? What conference are they from? Big Ten. Ohio State. Right. Oh, okay. So Cotton Bowl would be Bama versus Washington. I think think we saw that already. Yeah, we've seen that a couple times. And then Orange Bowl, Clemson versus Ohio State. I think yeah. we saw that already. Yeah. And then they have... Clemson, Alabama Clemson, rematch. Clemson, Alabama rematch in the national yeah. championship. Uh, 
I mean, it's fun. It's fun to look at. Um, you know, I do think that uh, I did look at the schedule proje- projections for college football news. They had Georgia going ten and two, okay, with a loss at South Carolina and at LSU. Boy, a lot of people are picking us to lose to South and Carolina. Losing, it just feels like yeah. one of those like hipster pick. Things. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And then losing to Bama in the SEC championship game again. Yeah, in Atlanta. So. I know. I hadn't hadn't looked close enough at the schedule to decide how I feel about any one game. Although I still think I still think Arkansas Auburn is our most dangerous game right now. That's the way it feels. Yeah. Um, although I did see something Massey, uh, the Massey computer projections has us going twelve and zero. With us by us being no less than seventy one percent chance to win, that's the least percent. Wouldn't you rather chance. go into the season with people projecting ten and two or even nine and three, and then go twelve and zero? Yeah, sure, than, sure. I mean, that's yeah. If everybody feel. thinks you're going to be twelve and zero and you go ten and two, you feel disappointed. Yeah. Um, and then finally, um, since Will's not here, I just wanted to give a shout out to his uh, TV show, yeah, the Will Each Show. Um, you can find it or watch it on Amazon TV. And here's the trick: you click the button. And it says, start your seven-day free trial. Watch all 15 episodes, and then you can cancel within that seven days. Uh, he's got great guests on it, like Sidel Noel, who played at Georgia or ran track, ran track at Georgia, Georgia and is an actress. Um, Keith Hernandez. Yeah. I mean, he interviewed Spit, him. Spitter on the Knoll. Yeah. And then uh, Ron Livingston from Office Space yeah. and Saving Private Ryan. I think he's in some other show now. Um, you had Leah Thompson this week. Yeah, Leah Thompson. Uh, I, even my kids were impressed by that because they've seen hey, Back Steve to the Mariucci. Future. Huh? No, he had Anthony Scaramucci. Scaramucci, not Steve. <laughs> Big difference. Steve um, <laughs> Big difference there. Um, so, yeah, he's got some really cool guests, and uh, he's that's probably where he's at right now, recording three or four episodes with uh, cool celebrities that we'll, he'll introduce us to later. Yeah, well, at the party. Uh, yeah, at the, at the rap party, <laughs> the, the yeah. WRAP party. Um, <laughs> So, I think everybody knows Will's not at a rap party. <laughs> so, yeah, um, this, this podcast has gone um, a little bit long because it's uh, 22 to 10. There you go. Um, you know what that's? 22 to 10? That was the total score of the runs that the Braves scored versus the Cardinals. So <laughs> it's always 938 from now on. <laughs> well done, sir. And scene. <laughs> and this is there to go, dogs. That was amazing. That was a great setup. And thanks so much for listening. Even though throughout the summer we don't typically record many episodes, you can always keep in touch with us or ask us a question via Twitter. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast. And while we're talking social media, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Same handle, WSLS Podcast. I'll be posting a quick blog post with that picture Tony took immediately after Georgia won the Rose Bowl over at our WSLSpodcast.com website. It is a really good picture. You should go check it out. And go ahead and bookmark the website for the fall because I've already spoken with Tony and Will about contributing some of their own blog posts in the future. That's it. Hope you all had a great Independence Day celebration. And remember to enjoy the excitement of anticipation as September 1st draws ever closer. We'll see you all on campus once again very soon. And as always, go dogs.